we are live hi everyone hello. uh hi joe first of hi. all of course. how are you um i'm good what about you very well very well thanks excited to be here thanks for inviting me yeah no, thank you thank you for joining me and uh just a little reminder for for anyone who's gonna i uh, know watch this uh this is the security break podcast just a little project of mine where i invite cool people to talk a little about you know um uh, some stories from uh, the security realm. Um, I'm pretty excited to to have you today, Joe, because uh, you're the free, the first, uh, let's say, known, uh, you know, uh, security practitioner, right? Mm. You definitely work for the security realm, uh, at least in my point of view. Uh, but you're you're actually, uh, I would say, a journalist, right? Would you uh, mind just introducing you a little bit? Yeah, sure. So as you say, um, previous viewers and listeners might feel that my analysis is a bit untechnical because I'm not technical. I don't, I don't, uh, right. as you say, I'm not a practitioner and that practitioner, I don't um, uh, code or write anti-malware programs, anything like that. But I report on cybersecurity for the BBC. So I am cyber correspondent, which means that I cover hacking, um, data protection, cybercrime, online safety, um, and anything, anything on the internet that is potentially dangerous is the way I look at it. So I don't really do much hardware stuff. I don't do um, what the latest phone is that's coming out or how fast the, the latest GPU is, anything like that. I just cover the, the kind of the hands-on keyboards, consumer experience and the dangers that, that, can, that can lead to as well. Yeah, that, that's, that's actually awesome. And I believe, uh, you know, uh, you know what you just said uh, just share something in common with this project as well right i'm a security practitioner of course i'm a technician but also you know this project is for the broader uh, you know uh, uh public right mm. i want this to be i would like this to be useful and uh, you know um, enjoyable for both security practitioners and people that are outside the uh the industry and i think it's very important right to inform um you know the public about you know whatever it's out there, right? Mm. Um, especially malicious stuff on the on the internet. So thank you for your work, first of all. And um, I definitely think that we can have a really nice uh, discussion right here. So uh, I'm actually going to be uh, pretty quick today. We have uh, a couple of uh, articles uh, we've collected from uh, the last week that I think uh, are interesting. And uh, we will. I'll just going to introduce them, and then we we'll, uh, we will have a chat about them. Hopefully, it will be interesting for uh, for all the people watching this. And just as a reminder, you're maybe watching this live. I, I think I believe we are uh, currently live on YouTube and Twitter right now. Um, I think definitely uh, Twitter. I've just yes. seen it. Yeah, definitely live on Twitter. Um, unfortunately, I had a little issue with LinkedIn, but uh, that's going to be for the next time. Uh, other, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, any, anyway, uh, this video we're going to be recorded and re-uploaded on YouTube. So it will be available on YouTube and the audio will be re-uploaded on Spotify and all the uh, different uh, Spotify, uh, you know, uh, uh, podcast platforms out there for the audio uh, people. So um, let's let's just start. I will share my screen with the, uh, one of the articles we have. Um, so just a second. Here we go. So that's going to be um, uh, visible for everyone, I, I hope. So just a very quick introduction here. Um, this first story is about uh, 
uh, you know, a specific threat uh, actors group, uh, specifically, uh, you know, uh, profiled as a, uh, you know, uh, owned or just uh, linked to the uh, Russian government. And um, this is a, a pretty specific group, right? Because um, uh, apparently, you know, in the, in the past years, it was, it was only and always uh, targeting only Ukraine. And that's, uh, you know, uh, even you know, uh, more interesting due to the recent conflict uh, they have out there. Um, and um, the, the very uh, most interesting thing about the news is that, you know, uh, of course, they they are targeting Ukraine and, you know, uh, their uh, army or their, um, uh, you know, uh, forces. Uh, but a recent malware they, they, they spread that is... Uh, um, let's say categorized as a war, just for, for anyone that doesn't know this, a war is just a malware that automatically spread itself. So it's configured, it's coded in order to, um, you know, automatically spread in different ways. This one in particular, uh, actually auto install them, um, you know, itself in uh, USB uh, devices. So anytime, let's say an infected computer gets a new USB devices or, you know, a USB key or something, maybe an external disk connected to the computer, then the malware out install itself on the new USB devices so that that USB devices can also infect other computers uh, later, right? So this is a way to infect as many devices as possible. It's nothing new. We have seen this multiple times in the past, and we also spoke about something like this in one of the previous episodes. Uh, that you are free to to rewatch on YouTube if you want. Anyway, the very um, the most interesting thing here uh, thing here is that that specific worm, that specific malware, you know, auto automatically infecting other computers actually, uh, you know, uh, went outside of the Ukraine borders, right? Mm -hmm. We actually have a pretty nice graphic here. If the browser helps me, yeah. So basically, something like a third of all of the uh, known infected computers are definitely in other states, in other parts of the world. So United States, Germany, Vietnam, and so on and so forth. Now, the interesting thing is that apparently we know that even if an attacker is targeting a specific country organization or something, even if that's not their willing, they're going to potentially impact and affect other organizations, other companies. This is just a case, but of course, this is similar to other things we have seen, and that can definitely happen. Uh, we have a couple of examples about uh, past, uh, you know, uh, activities such as the not not Paytm malware or just the Stuxnet. Uh, yeah, this uh, is how they this is how they achieve the Stuxnet worms. Yeah. Isn't it? Or, um, do we call it a worm because it was so targeted? Was the Stuxnet? Well, but it was it was on well, USB because they had to somehow get the malware onto the. Um, computers inside the uh, the tents, um, uh, you know, uh, facility, and they did the yeah. same trick. Yeah. And I just think this story is so fascinating. The fact that we're going, you know, I would have thought this this type of attack is just pointless and old fashioned. I don't even carry USB sticks anymore. Sure. I don't know if you, uh, yeah, with with the advent of Dropbox and Google Drive, USB sticks just aren't that ubiquitous anymore. So I'm surprised that. For a start, this worked, and that they bothered. But then there's that also. There's also that age-old thing that it's only stupid if it doesn't work, and 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 it's worked. It's worked by the looks of it pretty well. They they targeted Ukraine, 
and they've achieved they've achieved some pretty decent damage. We don't know, do we, from this article, how much damage no, was caused? Unfortunately, but, not. But uh, mm. it also said that mostly the 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 mission is to uh, collect data more than cause damages right, in this okay. specific scenario, of course. Yeah. Whereas, obviously, in the the Stuxnet example, that was about um, destruction. And I think the, the NotPetya um, example is an interesting one to bring up as well, because at the advent of the full-scale invasion last year, I wrote a piece for the BBC, which was the three things cybersecurity professionals are most worried about in terms of the Russian um, cyber offensive that we were expecting to take place. One of them was whether or not there would be an out-of-control worm launched by Russia which damaged more than Ukraine. Obviously, that is not Petya. That's the, the example that everyone goes to, the most destructive worm ever, um, which caused billions of dollars worth of damage when it was unleashed against Ukraine and it spread out of the out of the borders, as you say, and, and got out of control. Um, and then the other two were um, things that we are seeing to some degree. Of course, there was the 2015-2016 the power outages caused by Russia against Ukraine power grids, which caused blackouts. That was a big fear. Would would, would Russia um, unleash that kind of power? And largely, the answer was no, until I think only last week or the week before, when we saw that actually, it looks like that did happen. Um, Pales into insignificance, of course, when you've got missiles dropping and bombs exploding. The fact that they took out... um, a, a power grid or a power substation with cyber instead of a missile you could almost argue you know who cares um it would take a long time a lot of work when the missile would be quicker and potentially even cheaper um but we are seeing that and by the looks of it now we might be seeing one of those uncontrollable worms um i'm hoping this will be contained it's not spreading that fast but you never know yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like for me, like there are multiple things that are interesting about this. You mentioned one of them, the fact that it's it can be surprising for most people, right? They're still using USB drives, and it is this this successful, right? Mm. Uh, whether you know uh, most organizations are preventing usage of those uh, devices, so maybe you cannot even uh, you know um, use them if you want to, right? Because they are they are completely you know prevented on uh, on an organization level and it's just uh so uh so common to use cloud storage right it's mm. as you mentioned you know a google drive or, or anything, anything like that that why do you even use usb drives now the fact is that you know that's not always true and especially not in all countries the point is that that's we have true. seen that mm. in some specific regions is still still so common that is the best way to spread malware and maybe for really you know high secured environments which are not connected to the internet so cannot use something like a google drive or any cloud storage this is actually more effective potentially than uh, than you know spreading through the um, through the net and actually maybe it's the only way for a worm to spread around because there's no uh, you know, uh, no connection between the, the the various devices that you want, especially during a war. That's mm. that's you know, uh, that's very true, right? That's um, a good point. I hadn't really thought about. It. I'm looking at this from a kind of um, Western perspective. You know, here in London, working for an organization like the BBC, we would have cloud storage. We would have you know decent connections. So yeah, you're right. Uh, maybe this kind of attack in a different region of the world is still viable. Well, I mean, it is viable. Look at it. Look at that graph there. Yeah, it, it 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 has worked. 
to some degree. Do you know from the article, I was curious, is it spreading? So if I plugged in the USB, would that, would that then own my computer? Or would it then own another USB that I put in? How does it actually spread? Do I have to put that USB into lots of different computers or will it? So, do you know? So the, so the thing is, uh, and I'm not talking specifically about this malware. I always say that, you know, anyone that is watching this, you are definitely encouraged to look at the article itself, deep dive mm. yourself and um, maybe understand a little more than what we are discussing right here. But generally speaking, this kind of uh, malwares, uh, they they have you know different features. The first one is the the main one, maybe to collect data from the computer itself. Let's say mm -hmm. uh, in a, in a spyware uh, you know version of the malware. The other feature is basically uh, um, uh, you know to install let's say a, a um, um, stealthy stealthy part of the software that, which is waiting for new USB drives to be connected. And every time a new USB drive is installed, then it's you know, replicated to that device. Yeah, right. Okay. Now, every time that new device is then connected to a second computer, a third computer, and so on and mm, so forth. Mm. Now, that's the way it actually auto spread. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It now depends on how the the attacker specifically configured the malware. You know how much to spread, whether it checks for the computer software before spreading. Like I want to maybe infect only Windows computers. And I don't know, maybe not Linux for computer just because mm -hmm. I, I didn't code it for it. Or maybe, I don't know, uh, someone could definitely prevent it to spread too much, right? And to check maybe, uh, you know, the host name, basically the name of the computer to make sure this is owned by a specific organization. Now, unfortunately, most of the time it's not like that because, uh, you know, uh, um, we have seen that most of the time, Attackers are not that precise, are not that, uh, you know, uh, picky on how to code the malware. They just want, they want it to work. Yeah, okay? they want it to spread um, as far and wide as possible. Yeah, exactly. But I and, think they've uh, also, I think they've also been quite targeted, Russia. I think the, the, the fears that lots of people had that the Russian cyber military would go nuts and just try and infect the world, that just hasn't happened. I think they have been, and I'm, I'm not the only one that would, would, put this analysis across but they have been quite targeted so this i i i would i would imagine there will be some people if indeed this was russia and if in, indeed it was a cyber military who wouldn't be very happy about this graph mm -hmm. they would want to see that graph have one line not lots of lines because they don't want an escalation they don't want to you know they certainly wouldn't want to unleash some sort of not petcha style um attack but on this the other thing i keep thinking about on this is that I, <laughs> Why are people picking up USBs or accepting USBs in the post or however they got there? And why are they plugging them in? That just seems so bonkers to me. But then again, like I say, you know, it's coming from my perspective as someone who's seen this kind of thing before. So maybe that's a bit unfair. I mean, you, you got two, two very good points there. Um, I wanted to cover the, you know, all of them. So the first one you said is, uh, you know, it should be... Um, a goal of the attackers to not spread too much in order to not, you know, uh, uh, basically raise too many alerts, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. uh, the more the malware spread, the more we have analysis like this uh, from Checkpoint this time. And uh, the more, uh, you know, uh, uh, we in the industry understand how the malware works and know how to identify it, know how to potentially block it. So it's yeah. definitely, you know, um, one of the goals to not be um, identified like this. 
but it's also actually mentioned on the uh, you know at the beginning of the article that this specific group doesn't apparently apparently doesn't care too much about being yeah. tracked and identified so it definitely changed depending on the specific group what is the uh, the structure what is you know uh, uh, their, their real goal and tactics and mm. you're, you're, mm. you're perfectly right yeah because um, i think um from memory there's there's lots of different um threat actors apts that are thought to be in russia aren't there and there's fancy exactly. bear and cozy bear and there's different they, they attack in different ways and they, they spend a varying amount of time trying to cover their tracks but like as you say i think dan gooden wrote this i think from ars technica didn't he and i think he says there um yeah this these guys are called shuckworm yeah shuckworm yeah and they don't yeah, seem they worried about covering their tracks um but i haven't seen the research we have to obviously take checkpoints um word that that, that, yeah. that it's um i don't know how how they, they often so they often kind of give a a rating of how confident they are about attribution mm -hmm. don't they? i don't know what their one is for this i quite like the cybersecurity attribution they say we have high confidence or medium confidence or low i don't know whether this is where this is. And, and still you know this is a point that we we cover very very often in this podcast right attribution is very very tricky mm. and uh, this is my personal point of view, but it's never 100% uh, secure. Like you cannot, you know, you can never say, okay, definitely, definitely this is this actor instead of this one, because they, you know, they are going, of course, to, to copy between each other, the same piece of malware. They are going to disguise as someone else to not be, uh, you know, identified. So it's always a very, very tricky aspect of this industry, you know, attributing a specific mm. attack or a, spe a specific malware to that specific uh, actor, and of course that that specific actor is you know is covered by uh, a government or something that's even more uh, more difficult. Uh, I agree, but yeah. and and you know as as a reporter for the BBC, you know I have to absolutely be as accurate as, as possible. But I think in some instances there is a sort of common sense aspect to it as well, and if you look at the graph. It's yeah. very clear who the target is, and it's very, you know. So I think, I think, in this instance, there are some, there are some attributions that I sort of question, and I, I, I would never cover them. But this, for me, looks, um, yeah, I think it looks pretty obvious. Yeah, what yeah. the motive and who the attacker is. But, but, but as you say, there are false flags. Um, sometimes they plant false flags, don't they, um, to try and cover their tracks. So, yeah. But it, you're, you're right. We have to be a bit careful. Yeah, I mean, we, we are pretty confident in which is the target, right? And it's very, very, uh, you know, uh, uh, likely that it's coming from a Russian, uh, you know, uh, correlated group. But mm. as you said, there are so many groups out there uh, mm. and there are so many other uh, countries and groups that are, you know, uh, working for Russia, let's say, or just uh, uh, supporting Russia in uh, many different mm. ways. So it's still very very tricky anyway i'm not in that specific you know uh, uh pillar of, of the security and i still you know uh, of course believe uh the team uh the team uh, in, uh, in checkpoint in this case because they are the expert in this in this case mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. anyway i think we're good to to move to the next one if you if you agree sure um so just uh, another very quick reminder uh if you are enjoying this I will um, uh, post the, the link to the article in the description of the YouTube video, so you can deep dive yourself, and uh, and maybe you know let us know if you have a different opinion or just if you discovered something else that we are not covering right here, uh, because of course we have a limited time, 
but you you should definitely uh, learn as much as possible uh, from uh, from this input that we're giving uh, to the to the public. So uh, that being said, um, I'm moving to the next one, which I think it's it's very 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 interesting and something that we definitely not talk about most of the time in the industry, and that um, you know the public out there is definitely uh, not aware of. Okay. Um, so we are here this time we are talking about uh, scams more than real you know uh, or proper cyber attacks but I, I as you said before anything that it's using the internet it's using technologies and it causes damages or harms to people and or organization I think still uh, you know uh, fall in the in the broader security uh, security field there are people and organizations out there working also to defend from uh, um, this kind of uh, frauds and scams. So definitely it could be interesting. It is for me. And, um, you know, th there is this, this article right here uh, with, uh, with a couple of different actually analysis uh, that it's basically saying, okay, do you know about all of those, uh, you know, uh, scams that we hear or we listen or we read about uh, basically every day? And especially in this period with the, Black Friday and Cyber Monday thing, right? Um, we have all of those uh, apparently organization or uh, many many different peoples that as as their daily job, their their work, their job is um, to, to trick you and to um, you know make you uh, do do some uh, uh, wrong steps in order to then steal you money and or data and or you know anything that it's uh, it can be valuable for them. And possibly that enables them to make even more money afterwards. Um, so the thing here, we, we we generally know about this this comes right here. Uh, the 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 new thing it's not very new, but the the interesting thing here is that uh, some um, some investigation uh, you know uh, revealed that many 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 we we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people uh, in uh, mostly in Asia. Are basically tricked and uh, forced to run these scam operations, uh, you know, targeting basically all over the world. Okay, so uh, something that uh, really, um, you know, uh, amazed me uh, is I don't know if I can find the phrase here, but basically they are tricking people in um, uh, offering them uh, very highly paid jobs, and that for the interviews they are gonna pay them the travel. To the uh, to the country where uh, the, the the organization is based, and when they arrive, they actually um, basically steal them their documents so they cannot travel back, and they force them into buildings where they have to work, you know, all the day, uh, even you know more than twenty hours per day, and running those scam operation, and forcing them also to achieve some specifically daily uh, goals, right? So, how many people to, to, to scam or something. Um, otherwise, they are going to be tortured. They are going to be, uh, you know, facing so many different and uh, very, uh, you know, scary things. Just something something here, you know, electric shocks, isolation, physical punishment, and so on and so forth. I don't even want to uh, mention all of them, but it's a word that, again, we usually are not aware of. And most of the time we think, you know they are the bad guys. Mm. We uh, uh, we want them, of course, to stop. But I see so many videos out there of uh, you know content creators starting to hack the scammers 
like as a, yeah. as a broader you know thing yeah. they have really because, good videos <laughs> yeah and, and they, they have a, a lot of yeah. a lot of public right a lot of people watching the videos right mm-hmm. and uh, it's not clear that the the actual person they are uh you know exposing mm. most of the time or possibly you know it's not going to be the real bad guy maybe that person is forced to do so mm. I don't well know, i think this is, this is a very big thing what do you think about yeah, I think I think there is a difference here, though. I think the the type the kind of videos where they hack the, the CCTV cameras in the call centers um, uh, in I don't know uh, Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, um, massive generalization, but they do appear to be part of these tech support scam groups, and these are the types of gangs that will call up my dad, and they have done. Um, you know, 80 year old, and they'll say, Oh, um, we've noticed some malware on your computer, or they'll email him rather, and they'll say, We'll help you remove it. And then before you know it, it's a scam and money has been extracted, or, uh, you know, through a series of um, I- increasingly ridiculous demands, money, uh, money is somehow stolen. Whereas I think there is a difference between them and the romance scammers, the pig butcherers, as they're called. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't send you this link in the chat, uh, Giorgio. And if you could put it up on the screen. This was a piece that my colleague, um, who's brilliant, she's called Natalia, she did it earlier this year. And it's a, she did it as a documentary, but it's into this issue of um, people being enslaved into these romance scams, pig butchering scams. And what I think, it, what I think is really good about the way that this story is told is exactly as you just described when we look at this we look at these people we look at the victims we look at the people who've had x a number of crypto uh you know coins stolen or millions or hundreds of thousands or whatever stolen out from their account because they've been tricked by these by these scammers and the story in the documentary starts like that and then and you sort of think okay i know who the good guys are, are here i know who the bad guys are here and then as you learn and get to know the scammers, you realize, hang on a minute, they're trapped and they can't go. They can't leave their go back to their country that often they're brought in from China or, or other countries into like Cambodia or uh, Philippines or Thailand. And they are just as much victims as the people they're scamming in some instances. And there's video footage in that documentary of people being beaten um, and having you know that food rations uh, taken away from them because they're not cooperating with the the leaders of these gangs. So I think you're right. I think it it makes you think, doesn't it, about um, just how the organisations are run, these, these these criminals are run. But I think there there are also distinctions to be made, as I say though, between some of these um, scammers who are willfully uh, scamming people, and they are free, and they go to work. And it's like a call center. They go to work nine to five and their job and they're happy with their job and they understand what their job is, is to extract money through theft and fraud from the Western world. Um, but then there are also, as you say, this really fascinating and horrifying side of side of things where they're forced to. I mean, uh, you're definitely right. There are, there are different types of, you know, scams, of course, but also, you know, groups in general. And I think this, the same kind of reasoning can be applied to other things. Well, we, we can talk about ransomware gangs. We can talk about, you know, other type of uh, cyber criminal organizations. The important thing that I think, uh, you know, most of the people should understand here is that, uh, you know, they are in fact organizations. 
It's just not yeah. individual yeah. people that are just, you know, happy and uh, willing to uh, scam you or, you know, hack you or, or whatever. It's, it's the fact that there's a... It's, it's organized crime. Yeah. Yeah, it? basically, it's, right? It's very rarely an individual who just thinks one day, right, I'm going to scam some people. There's a network. There are scripts helping them to use the best social engineering techniques. There are VPN servers supplied to them, all these things. You do get the occasional individual or small group attacks, don't you? Like there was one in very high-profile case in Nigeria of a romance scammer um, who actually led to um, – they, 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 they tricked a – I think he was 18 years old, this boy called Jordan – um, into sending some nudes to the to the scammers, and then they blackmailed him, saying if you don't pay us two hundred dollars or whatever it was, then we'll we'll publish all these um, pictures of you naked to your friends and family. He killed himself in the end. Jordan did, and his mum has been fighting now to get that um, story told around the world. Um, and that was two, maybe three. Nigerian men who were accused of doing that and they two of them have been extradited to the US and there's no hint there's no indication in that instance that there was some sort of organized network they were part of um, but as you say in many cases it is organized crime which people don't necessarily understand yeah absolutely like and of course I don't want to justify anything of course we are talking still about illegal stuff we are talking about mm. harmful stuff like the, the the case you you just mentioned, you know, it's not always about the money. It's about you know also the the kind of psychological trauma that you know individual people can get from a scam like this. Mm. Uh, even if you know uh, they they just um, lose money, maybe that's all the money they they collected the, the entire life, and you know that basically in in today's today's uh, you know society, that means that uh, you you lost everything. Okay, most of the yeah. time. So it's definitely something that we we need to find a way to stop. Of course, you know there are organizations, there like uh, government agencies after after this kind of um, uh, cyber criminals. The thing is that I think it's very very important to be aware of the fact that it's definitely more complicated than what we we just see. Uh, mm. The one time our you know friend or or uh, familiar just gets um, gets scammed. Okay, it's something very, very complicated. There are organizations out there. And even I think when there are just individuals, I believe they still live in a, in a society in, in some of those countries where it's just something so common mm. that maybe they are not really aware of how bad is the thing that they are doing. Maybe, yeah, maybe some of them normalized. are. It's normalized and they think it's fine. Yeah, yeah which is, which, which, as you say, that is, that is a failing of the, the legal system and the law enforcement agencies in that country. But I know, I think it's it's only fair to mention that uh, Nigerian cyber police, they are trying to, uh, you know, arrest these individuals. They, they, I think it was in the beginning of October, they released a picture of lots and lots of people. They rounded up doing these kind of things. And then we're seeing a lot of movement in, in Thailand and Cambodia and, and Myanmar um, on that that law enforcement effort. And I think the, the reason is because as, as is lots of things in cyber, the U S has basically woken up to what's happening to their own citizens and is putting pressure on these countries to act. And that is how, that is often how you see um, change occur. Uh, yeah. You know, team America, cyber police. Um, it, it is, it is right, rightly or wrongly 
it, when the US asks partners and allies to take action, suddenly you start seeing arrests, apart from in places like Russia. Yeah, and, and actually, I think that there's also another thing about that. And this is also mentioned in the article I'm going to share. Um, the thing is that, again, in some of those countries, some of those organizations move so much money that, of course, they have some uh, some kind of protection from um, you know the politics, right? They have some connection with the mm. uh, the local government, and uh, uh, they they are protected in some way. They, they, this is the basically the only reason why um, everything appears to be focused and centered on on those countries that are there, because unfortunately, you know, they can have uh, they can get some uh, some protection from uh, the government itself, because it's of course if, if this is too big. It is also very, very difficult to hide an organization in a, you know, a, a kind of uh, um, operation like that. Okay, so that's also, I believe, the 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 reason why the only way we can, uh, you know, um, um, you know, shut down this kind of operation is when other countries are pushing and forcing uh, mm. the the local government to do something and the local police to do something because uh, uh, that's the only way. Um, you know, uh, you can pretend that some action are taken because maybe you have some kind of uh, um, agreement with that country, and you know you can force. If you do don't, if you don't uh, do something about it, then there's going to be consequences and so on and so forth. Uh, so again, just to make people understand what's the uh, the sides and uh, uh, you know how big something like this uh, could be, right? Mm. Um, like I, I don't believe most of the people that are even the security industry really understands or gets an idea or uh, of uh, how big this kind of organization could be. There are a couple of books that I've read that are actually very interesting uh, describing this kind of organizations that maybe it's it's worth to um, to put in the description of the YouTube video as well. I think potentially it could be a blind spot for the security industry because it's not that interesting in terms of what you know the tactics and procedures that what they're doing is making fake instagram accounts often or dating profiles finding people who have maybe got some crypto wealth and then social engineering them and there's not much cyber in there in terms of you know really interest like we just talked about this fascinating usb worm attack um and as technical people, as a technical industry, it is really interesting to talk about. But I think the big, the pig butchering stuff, there's a bit of a snobbery perhaps from the cybersecurity world because it's seen as, um, oh, that's just scamming. That's not hacking. Hacking is where yeah. the, the interesting side of it is. There's more conversation to be had. There's more studying to be done. But as you say, it's it's absolutely massive. There are, I think just then in the article, um, there was 200,000 people potentially who were enslaved in these pig butchering uh, organizations in the, in Southeast Asia. This is an absolutely big problem um, for humanity that, that isn't being addressed. But I think I, I think we are starting to see some change now. I saw there was some uh, there was something like two hundred arrests two months ago in um, oh, I can't remember which country it was now. But I remember reading that and thinking, wow, okay, people are moving on this now. There is action. You know, you're right that uh, for for more, most the technical people in the industry, uh, this is not you know too much interesting, of course. But I think it's also very very important to to be aware at least, not, mm. not to maybe deep dive too much because it depends really what to do what you do for for work. But it's still connected 
to the reason why you're doing your daily job, right? And uh, it's, it's part of, of a, a bro broader and a bigger picture that you're mm. part of because you're still part of the, let's say, um, <laughs> the, the good guys trying to yeah. defend people in an organization. So uh, it's not the how you're doing your job. It's, the, it's about the why you're doing your job, right? And if you are really interested in the in the industry, not just on the you know uh, specific tasks you are doing, uh, but what's the future of of this industry? What's the uh, the context in which we are working? I think it's very very important. And another thing is that uh, you know, and and this is another thing that most of the people are not aware of uh, in general is the thing that the security industry is not done just by technical people. Mm. I'm actually believe currently there's something like kind of a 50-50 thing about, you know, people working uh, uh, policies, uh, you know, uh, risk compliance that are not technical people and definitely, you know, will be more interested in the, this kind of um, uh, this kind of topics. And I believe, it, you know, both parts of this, uh, of this you know, uh, um, these sides of the industry needs also to be aware of, of the other side. Yeah, so, right? definitely, yeah. It's part, of, as you say, it's part of the same, the same drive to secure the internet, essentially, isn't Absolutely. it? And protect people. I wonder if it's similar to I call it DDoS snobbery, because I've noticed mm -hmm. in the cybersecurity world there is a, a real snobbery around DDoS attacks, whereby the cybersecurity industry sort of thinks that DDoS is nothing, doesn't really count as hacking, it doesn't mean anything, it's useless. Why are we talking about this? But actually, in my experience, as someone who who reports on the, the human impacts of cyber they can have a big impact and they can be, if done well and right and timed correctly, DDoS attacks can be pretty damaging and disruptive. Um, and, you know, it's, it's in the same way that pig butchering isn't hacking and it's low skill, blah, blah, blah. But talk to the victims, ask the victims whether or not it's, yeah. it's, um, it's not had an impact and they'll tell you, they'll tell you it has. Yeah, it's, I think it's not about how technical it is. It's about how impactful it is right mm. uh, about you know how many uh, things it affects and uh, how how much damage can cause. Mm. Uh, so so we we really need to to be re you know refocusing on that uh, on that thing. Mm. So Joe, uh, uh, I believe we are out of time, and I thank you so much for thanks for uh, having uh, me for joining me today. Um, I think it's very important that we also involved again. I think you're part of the industry, mm. uh, in fact, right. And I think you're you're definitely doing a, a, a great job out there uh, for 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 both people in the industry and outside of it. So thank yeah. you for that. Thanks thank for you. joining me, and thank you for you know all the people watching this either live or uh, you know uh, the recordings afterwards. Um, just a reminder: you you can rewatch this on YouTube, uh, Spotify, and all of the different podcast platforms. If you uh, like this and you like to uh, see more episodes with um, people like Joe and uh, uh, other other colleagues from the industry, please um, consider you know subscribing and sharing this with uh, with a friend. So thank you so much, everyone, and uh, see you Thanks, next Joe. time. Cheers. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. bye.